You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Cardinals podcast for Wednesday, May 11th of 2022. I am Lucas Smith, host of the show at LJ Fastball on Twitter. Thanks for tuning in today and making Locked On Cardinals your first listen of the day. Today's episode is brought to you by BlueNile.com, uh, the online jeweler for all of your needs. Go to BlueNile.com today. Uh, so once again, thank you for tuning in today. Uh, lots to discuss with, with Paul DeYoung as a uh, uh, breaking news yesterday messed up my schedule. I was, I was literally, I hit record to record the pregame show on the Baltimore Orioles uh, to talk about the series, to everything of that nature. And then the young news broke, so I had to stop recording, stay up to date on that. And then I had to leave for umpiring, and it was just a mess. So we're going to talk about Paul DeYoung mainly today because I haven't gotten my thoughts out on the reaction of this move because I talked about it on yesterday's show. For those of you who missed it, I talked about Paul DeYoung. Is it time for him to, to be benched, to be to be sent down? I, I gave my opinion that, well, it's probably going to be hard to send somebody like that down in terms of um, just the, the contract that, that, that the Cardinals have had with Paul DeYoung or currently have with Paul DeYoung and how that would make it extremely difficult to do what they did. But nevertheless, they did it. Paul DeYoung has been optioned down to the minor leagues in case you missed it. And Kramer Robertson was the choice to get the call up. A bit of a surprising one. I think that most of us expected uh, a Nolan Gorman, maybe even Matthew Liebertor to make the start last night. But no, we get Kramer Robertson, um, son of LSU women's basketball coach. Uh, so that's a little SEC connection because I'm a Mizzou person. It's a little bit of an SEC connection. Uh, but nevertheless... The youngest down, so let's talk about it. Let's get into it. I thought that really it was only a matter of time, and I talked about this yesterday. It was only a matter of time before we saw him lose the starting job. We saw him start for six days to a week, uh, six straight games last week, whenever Sosa got sent down. You know, he'll be on his way back shortly. So we, we, we saw him play. He got, he got two hits. They're both in one game. He did not impress enough to stay at the major league level, or bare minimum, he did not impress enough to keep the starting job. And he did not keep the starting job, clearly. But it was only a matter of time before something like this happened. Because we talked about it yesterday, how Paul DeYoung is somebody that I really want to root for. I really hope he does well. But at the end of the day, the results are going to speak for themselves. That's what I talked about a lot yesterday, okay? Is that at some point, you just have to look at the results, look at the stats, look at the numbers, and just realize that Paul DeYoung is not getting it done at the shortstop position. He cannot be the answer going forward, and now he's not the answer, at least for the time being, while he gets things figured out at the minor league level. Best of luck to him. I was surprised that he was sent down. I was. I thought that he would just be benched. You know, there, there's pros and cons to both both decision-making processes there, in my opinion, that you know the, the, the pro to sending him down at the minor league level is that you get somebody else fresh up here, a couple pros here. You get somebody fresh at the major league level, Give some kid his opportunity. You let Paul DeYoung get consistent playing time, right? So he's able to work things out a little, a little bit of a quicker rate, maybe find what's not working in his swing, so he's able to figure some things out. Because baseball, I talk about this a lot as well, baseball is a sport of repetition, in my opinion. 
It's a muscle memory sport. If you're not able to play every day, it's hard to see what you can do. We're seeing that with Andrew Kisner this year. As he plays more often, he's able to get into a groove of things. He's able to, to impress us a lot more with more playing time. So all this to say the pro for Paul DeYoung being sent down in his perspective, I know that's probably hard to find a pro from his perspective right now, is that he is going to be able to figure things out on a regular, consistent basis. He's, got, he's going to have playing time down there. He's going to play every day. He's going to have the opportunity to figure his swing out, and I really do hope he does. I really do hope he does. And Locked On Giants, Ben Kaspik did the research here when I, I tweeted out to Locked On Cardinals Twitter, said, thoughts on Paul Young being sent down to the minors. Locked On Giants responded. Ben Kaspik is the, is the host there. Uh, very interesting because he was right on the cusp of five-year service time, at which point he could not be optioned without his consent. He entered the year with 4.127 years of service, 4.172 out of those five years. So he needed just 45 days on the active roster or injured list to reach five years. And yesterday was day 34. So Paul DeYoung was 11 days away from not being optionable, according to the Locked On Giants podcast. So thank you to Ben Kaspik for the research there. That's, that's, a, that's an interesting note. Maybe the Cardinals were waiting as long as they could to send him down, to, to give him every opportunity. Because Paul DeYoung was given, no matter what your opinions are on Paul DeYoung or thoughts on whatever, there's no denying that he was given every opportunity in the book to earn this job, to keep this job. He did the work in the offseason. He impressed a little bit, really a lot of bit, in spring training. You saw some good things. You heard some good things. He was given starting reps from the get-go. He was promised, I think in November is what Derek Gold was reporting, that Paul DeYoung, he was promised that he was going to be the starting shortstop on game one, barring injury. He was given confidence. He was given, I'll say it again, every opportunity to keep this job. And we've seen what happened. Paul DeYoung, somebody that I hope figures it out at the minor league level, but I was surprised that he was sent down, even with knowing the, the fact that I just read to you guys from Locked On Giants. I was surprised that he was sent down. Because the pros to keeping him at the major league level would be maybe he'll run into one on, you know, as a pinch hitter. You give Sosa a day off or Edmund, whoever is your starting shortstop. We'll talk about that coming up here in a bit. And you're, you're not wasting money, for lack of a better phrase. Not that minor leagues is a waste, but if you're spending that kind of money, you want it to be at the major league level. So Paul DeYoung being sent down, to me, was a surprising move. A move that, like I said, it was only a matter of time. It was a move that was going to be made at some point. Some decision was going to be made on Paul DeYoung at some point. And I hope he figures it out at the minor league level. The other surprising factor to this is who was called up. Kramer Robertson gets the spot. Not a name that I was expecting to get called up. Out of LSU, um, has... Did not make, or he finished ran yesterday for his major league debut, but has not gotten a, a plate appearance or an at bat yet. I was surprised that we did not see Gorman. I was surprised that we didn't see a Libertor or a Thompson to make a start. I was surprised. I'm ready to see Nolan Gorman, everybody. I've talked about this on and off for a couple weeks. I'm ready to see Nolan Gorman. He tore it up to, to end the year last year. He's tearing it up to start the year this year at the minor league level. That man is ready. 
I understand that defensive metrics might, you know, be one way or the other about starting Tommy Evans at shortstop and bringing Nolan Gorman at second base. At this point, the Cardinals need some offense. They, they scored three runs yesterday against Kyle Bradish and the Baltimore Orioles, two of which came on an inside-the-park home run from Harrison Bader. Brendan Donovan, the replacement, the short, starting shortstop, also got an RBI yesterday. This team needs some offensive help. And if Juan Yepes is any indication that these these kids in Memphis are ready to play, that's a pretty good indication. Off to a 455 average start, and his OPS is at a crisp 1,227. And Nolan Gorman is more highly touted than, than Juan Yepes has been, even though we've all known Yepes is coming and has been coming for quite some time. But Nolan Gorman is a highly touted prospect. Get him to the major leagues. No disrespect to Robertson. No disrespect to his talent. I'm happy for him. Congratulations. It's a spot well earned. Don't mistake this for me crapping on Robertson's debut or Robertson's call-up. No. Happy for him. He's been a decent minor league hitter. Got some speed. He's stolen six bags this year. We saw him as a pinch runner yesterday. But it's time for Nolan Gorman to get his opportunity as well. Nolan Gorman, I was surprised. That that was the other surprise factor. The the initial surprise factor was that it was DeYoung being sent down. The second surprise factor is that it wasn't uh, a name that I was expecting getting called up. So now we have a dilemma at the major league level. Who is the new starting shortstop? We're going to go through the options in segment number two today because you have some options that are intriguing and one that they went out yesterday. A lot of things to consider for the Cardinal shortstop position. So we'll talk about that coming up here in just a moment. But with spring in the air, it's time of renewal and growth, both personally and professionally. And as your small business grows, LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find people that you want to talk to faster and for free. You can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then you add your job and the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easier to focus on candidates with just the right skill set and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you want to interview and hire. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? I'm one of them. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash MLB. That's linkedin.com slash MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Who's a new shortstop? Shortstop position for the St. Louis Cardinals over the at least the 21st century has been a revolving door. You've got your Edgar Renteria, you've got your David Eckstein, Brendan Ryan for a time, Pete Cosma, Paul DeYoung. You go back before DeYoung, you've got a Lemnis Diaz for a year or so. Got a lot of different shortstops coming in and out of the Cardinals system. In my opinion, it's the one shortstop at one position that they really struggled to fill long term since Ozzy. Because even in the other positions, you had Albert at first for 10 years. You've had Molina catching for what seems like 25 years. 
You've had long stints of Roland at third, David Freeze was third, Nolan Arenado's going to be there for a long time now. Second base, you had Wong there for a long time. Center field, you had Edmonds for a while. Left field, you had Holiday for a while. So you have all these positions that you had long stints of, of, of anchors in the lineup, right? Shortstop has really been that one that you sit back and think, it's been a revolving door. Yeah, Paul DeYoung has, has been the main guy for some time, but even with Paul DeYoung being that guy, you still got questions around Paul DeYoung. There weren't too many questions with Matt Holliday um, when Matt Holliday was left fielder. There weren't too many questions when Scott Rowland was your third baseman. Again, you're not going to run into these guys every every other year, but you would think that you'd have a little bit more stability in a franchise like St. Louis at a shortstop, a position like shortstop. All that to say, all that little side soap opera rant to say, who's the new shortstop? Because your Cardinals have some options here. Tommy Edmond, does he get shifted over? Do you bring in a second base? Do you put Brendan Donovan at second? Do you put Brendan Donovan at short, just like they did yesterday? I think Brendan Donovan's going to be the shortstop until Sosa gets up. Sosa is another option for shortstop. Even Kramer Robertson, middle infielder for the St. Louis Cardinals, could be an option to get a start at short every once in a while. But they talked about it yesterday. Uh, they as in Mosella Camarmal, that once Sosa gets up, he's going to have the opportunity to get the starting job. Which I don't have a huge problem with. I thought Sosa did a fine job in replacement of Paul Young last year. He's had a decent year this year. Again, it's going to be one of those cases with what can you do with consistent everyday reps, with consistent everyday playing time. But Armando Sosa is not a terrible option to have it short. Plain and simple, he's just not. He had a fine year last year. Defensively, there might be a, a couple question marks here and there, but like Mike Schilt talked about last year, and I know some of you might think that that's a negative that Mike Schilt was, was praising Amundo Sosa. You simply just have a baseball guy at Amundo Sosa, somebody who plays the game hard, plays the game right. Sosa will be a fine replacement at the shortstop position. If Sosa that guy long-term... Probably not. You, you would think that Tommy Ebbin would be more of a fit long-term since Nolan Gorman is going to slide up into that second base position. This is an interesting dynamic you have right now with the St. Louis Cardinals middle infield because you have a couple different options. You could plug and play to, at different spots. You could go a couple different routes here for the St. Louis Cardinals. One route that I would like to see them go, I think that a lot of Card- Cardinal fans would like to see them go, probably a lot of prospect guys would like to see them go, I was talking to Lindsey Crosby, host of Locked on MLB Prospects the other day. I would like to see them go, Edmund at short, call up Gorman, put him at second base. See what happens. Nolan Gorman has earned his right to be at the major league level. Edmund is a capable defender everywhere on the diamond, a gold glove defender. I get that you don't want to lose your gold glove status at second base. I get that. But at some point, especially with the Cardinal offense the way it is, you need some shuffling up. We, we saw it with Yepes. We've seen the success with Yepes being brought up to the major league level. And not every call-up is going to be that successful. Gorman might get called up and, and struggle. I understand that it's a, obviously a very real possibility. But I would love to see Edmund and Gorman up the middle at short and second. 
Now what is likely going to happen, Donovan's going to be at short until Sosa gets called up. Sosa's going to get called up, and Edmund's going to go back to second. Which is not a terrible choice. It's not the worst choice, in my opinion. Maybe, quote-unquote, the worst choice. Again, no disrespect would be starting Robertson at short and Donovan at second, but that's obviously not, not going to happen. Edmundo Sosa, being the Cardinals' everyday shortstop, not a bad thing. I, I am content with that realistic possibility. I'm content with that happening. And I understand the thought, the thought process, the logic behind it. Let me know what you think. Comment in the YouTube section. Comment comment in the YouTube comment section below uh, your, your thoughts on, A, who you think should be the new shortstop. Who do, who do you think the you know, middle infield combination should be. And number two, what do you think is going to happen? Because those are two very different things. At least they can be two very different things. Like I said, what's going to happen, in my opinion, Sosa's going to play short, Edmund's going to play second. Until Sosa gets called up, Brendan Donovan's going to play shortstop. And Donovan has done an okay job for the most part. You know, numbers aren't very kind to him over a short amount of playing time, but he was one for three yesterday with an RBI and a run scored. Not terrible. So I think that, you know, it's not a terrible option to have Brendan Donovan as your shortstop for the first couple of, of games coming out of the gate here with, with Sosa not being ready yet, with Sosa being at the minor league level, right? So I think we're going we're gonna to see what happens. This offense needs a jolt, though. That, that, that's my main point. This offense needs a jolt. We, we, we've seen it come happen a little bit in the San Francisco over the weekend when they scored you know, a couple of seven-run outbursts. Dylan Carlson starting to get going, which is nice from the outfielder's perspective. But I would really love to see Nolan Gorman get called up at the major league level. I would love to see it. Nolan Gorman starting at second base... <laughs> That would be wonderful. So we'll see what happens. But we can't end today without talking about yesterday's game and how it was a, an ugly one. And it was one of those games that you didn't really feel good about it from the start. You didn't really feel good about it from the get-go. Yes, the Orioles, not very good, rebuilding. But you still didn't really feel good about it just because of who started, uh, who the Cardinals chose to start. So we'll talk about that coming up here in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you about the best-tasting protein bar on the planet, and that is Built Bar. The best part about Built Bar is that they are healthy and delicious. It's two things at the same time. You don't have to sacrifice delicious food for health or vice versa. With Built Bar, you can have both, and it's easy. All you have to do is go to Built.com and order right now. All Built Bars are covered 100% in real chocolate. Real chocolate. That's right. That's what they. That's how they taste so good because they're covered in chocolate. You can get yourself a mixed box of all sorts of flavors of Built Bars and Puffs. Built Bars make sure there's something for every single person. And I like double chocolate because I'm a big sweet tooth, so I love chocolate, but I still get the health benefits of a Built Bar. Those health benefits are 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, 17 grams of protein. You can compare that to a candy bar that has 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, dozens of net carbs, no protein. Built Bar is the way to go. So go to Built.com to get all your favorites. Banana cream pie, raspberry, double chocolate, so many more. Built.com has new flavors coming out all the time, so check them out frequently. So go to Built.com right now and use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, to get 15% off your order. Once again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com.
Cardinals fall 5-3 to the Baltimore Orioles yesterday in Baltimore's first ever trip to Bush Stadium 3, their first trip back to St. Louis since 2003. Uh, uh, Albert Pujols was the left fielder in that game. I think Jim Edmonds had a couple home runs in one of those games in that series. Roland had a grand slam. Cardinals looked a little bit different in 2003 versus what they do now, but the offense just was not good yesterday, and I mentioned that it was ugly from the start. Packy Naughton, three and a third. Length was fine, but you know gives up three home or three earned runs. Couldn't get the ball in the ballpark. Gave up two bombs, um, five hits overall. He did strike out two. You just didn't have a lot of confidence. At least I didn't have a lot of confidence going into that game. You would have liked to see maybe Miles Michaelis get get pushed up to start yesterday. Although Michaelis will be getting the start uh, tonight, so you feel good about excuse me tonight's game with with Michaelis on the bump. Uh, but the offense just wasn't able to get it going. Kyle Bradish turned in the best start of his young career. Um, just phenomenal stuff. This is his rookie year. This is his third start. He goes seven innings, four four hits, two earned runs, one inside the park home run, and he struck out 11. This, these are his lines in his previous two starts. Against Boston in his debut, six innings, five hits, three runs, two of those were earned, gave up a home run, and struck out two. Walked one. Against Minnesota on the 4th of May, four innings, six hits, four earned, a home run, a hit by pitch, two walks, three strikeouts. Comes into the St. Louis Cardinals against them, seven innings, four hits, two earned, a home run given up, and as I mentioned, 11 punch outs. The offense was not good yesterday. You got the excitement from Harrison Bader, but they had two at-bats with runners in scoring position. They were one for two. And they left two runners on base. That is not a lot of excitement. Not a lot of slugging. You've got the Harrison Bader inside the park bomb. And then the Brendan Donovan home run in the ninth inning. Three of their seven hits were extra base hits. But they only had seven hits. They were all by seven different individual people. Edmund, one for four. Goldschmidt, one for four. Yepes, one for three. Carlson, Molina, Bader, and Donovan, all one for three as well. So yeah, you got some excitement at the bottom of the lineup with Bader and Donovan. That could be something fun to keep our eyes on for the future. But you still saw struggling performances from Tyler O'Neill, 0 for four with three punch outs. And Arenado was sinking back down to earth, which is understandable. But he was 0 for four with a couple of punch outs yesterday. Overall, the Cardinals struck out 12 times yesterday. Bautista struck out O'Neal to end the game. In addition to the 11 punch-outs that Bradish had. Offense just wasn't there. Simple. And, you know, I know that the Orioles... I talk about how this is a weak point in their schedule. and or This was a weak point in the Cardinals' schedule because of the Baltimore Orioles. And it, it is. Cardinal, or the Orioles are 13-17 and 17 right now. So it's not like they're the seller of the American League like they were last year. They're not at the bottom of the league anymore. They're near the bottom. They're a bad team, don't get me wrong, but maybe they're better than what I give them credit for. Maybe. So looking forward, how do the Cardinals reset and get back on track tonight against the Baltimore Orioles? 6.45 Central Time is the first pitch uh, from Bush Stadium. Miles Michaelis, as I mentioned, getting the ball for the St. Louis Cardinals. He looks to continue his impressive start. Um, not a lot. There are two Players with an at-bat against Miles Michaelis. Rufnetto doors, one for one with a home run. And Chris Owings is 0 for 1. No previous experience for the Cardinals against 
uh, right-hander Spencer Watkins. He wears number 80, so that tells you all you need to know about Spencer Watkins in terms of, uh, you know, the, the players with those high numbers tend to not be super talented. Um you know, obviously outside of the fact of maybe Aaron Judge wearing number 99. But Spencer Watkins, for his career, in 21 games, 15 starts, has an ERA of 6.66. He's 2-7 and seven with a whip of 1.61. So all signs would point to the Cardinals having a good offensive night tonight, although sometimes when you're facing a team for the first time, that benefits you as the pitcher. So we'll see if the Cardinals can um, not fall into that trap. Tonight, and then you're looking forward to tomorrow as well. As a 12:15 is the first pitch tomorrow. TBD for the Baltimore Orioles. Really excited to see what Jordan Hicks can do in another start. He just needs to continue to taking steps forward. Plain and simple. I'm excited to see what Hicks can do. Cardinals need to win the next two. Play like there's no ifs ands or buts about it. Get some momentum heading back um, before the, the Giants come into town. But playoff teams and the Cardinals consider themselves a playoff team, and I do too. Playoff teams don't get swept at home. They were able to avoid that with the Mets. Playoff teams don't lose series to non-playoff teams at home, by and large. Especially to teams like the Orioles. Go out, find a way, get the job done. We'll see what the Cardinals are able to do tonight. I expect My prediction is that they do win the next two games. Because of who they have on the mound, who the Orioles are setting up to the mound tonight. I think the Cardinals have a chance to be offensively successful. But I think... The Cardinals are going to win on the backs of Miles Michaelis and Jordan Hicks. I think Hicks finally takes that next step forward. I think he's able to go five. I think Michaelis continues his his very strong 2022 campaign. So thanks for tuning in today. Make sure to make Locked on MLB your second listen with our pal Paul Francis Sullivan. Uh, be sure to call him Sully. And I'll talk to you guys tomorrow about tonight's game. Hopefully it's another Cardinal winner. So until I talk to you then, be sure to stay safe, stay well, and have a fantastic rest of your day.